Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. He is Chris Marler drinking his third coffee of the day, I think. Woo! Nice. You are amped up. I am Connor O'Gara. Week 8 is here or thereabouts. Um, we have six games in the SEC this week. Of course, headlined by Mississippi State. The fighting Joe Moorheads against the fighting Joe Burrows of LSU. Uh, nobody calls it that but me. But we also, of course, Joe have... Joe knows football. We have Bama, right, boys. Bama, Tennessee, and we have just a loaded show today. I say that every single time, but really, we have some fun stuff to get to. We've got picks with Luke Del Rio, our best friend, Luke Del Rio. Um, he is, by the way, he, he, he brought the heat. Luke brought yeah, the heat big as time. As he always does. On that one. Sometimes I'm worried about what I'm going to say, but man, man, Luke is Luke, Luke on will fire. go there. Uh, yeah. Shout out UCF. And we also had a very fun interview with Tom Hart, the SEC Network announcer. We talked about our beef with Jordan Rogers. Don't worry. He's building bridges. <laughs> You're gonna pretty good. A little Brooks and Dunn for you. We're gonna have to, you know, first 15 minutes of the interview, something like that. We don't we don't hit on it, but I promise you, be patient in the interview. We will get yeah. there. Do not worry. Before He's we also really funny too. Yeah. Oh, Tom Hart was was great, and he lives in Atlanta, so you guys can now just be you know best friends on the weekends. Yeah, I didn't get the feeling that he that he wanted that to happen, but um, you know, I'm still gonna push for it. So, thanks, he, Thomas. He he did ask me uh, when the album was dropping. So I yes, think, that was cool. Yeah, I like that. I'm pretty sure that we will definitely be uh, hooking up again in the future. But before we talk about all of those things, got to talk to you guys about our friends over at Ticket City SDS. You know it. We are excited to be partnering with them once again for all their ticket needs. Our relationship with them goes back several years as they continue to be a leader in the ticket space, especially for college football fans. Getting tickets for college football games could not be easier when using Ticket City, and they have the best prices. We're going to give you an even better price. All you're going to do is use that promo code CMBF10. That's CMBF10. You're going to get 10% off of your tickets right now. Whether you're trying to get tickets for this upcoming Saturday, week eight, or for later in the season, get your tickets now on Ticket City. Hot ticket, Baton Rouge, as per usual. I said the same exact thing last week talking about George LSU. This week, a different headliner game for the fighting Coach O's. Uh, this is a revenge game for LSU after last year's 37-7 meltdown in Stark Vegas. Ooh, bad. Real bad. And that's been a topic of discussion. Mike. This is kind of setting up really well, though, for LSU that you come off of this big Georgia victory and everybody's kind of already looking ahead to Bama. And sandwiched in between is this game against Mississippi State that if you're Coach O, you don't have to worry about the motivation thing because everybody remembers what happened in Stark Vegas last year. So, everything... That whole sentence is tough. Wasn't um, it? I mean, so okay, I mean, people forget that because I think everyone just assumes that Coach O is like he's really righted the ship. This is a guy that's coming into the season sixteen and five or sixteen and six, I think, um, as a head coach at LSU, right? Something like that. Yeah, I think and that's five of those right. losses were to ranked teams. So this is one of them: um, Florida, Notre Dame, two to Bama. There's another one I'm missing. Either way. You know they've they've been a really good team. This is a nine and three team last year. They got beat by thirty to Mississippi State. So I was curious because the narrative with LSU is that LSU at at best is kind of the third team in the SEC right now. The way that we we view them, this hierarchy of Alabama, and now we think Georgia is getting onto this level that Alabama has been at, or we think they are at least capable of. 
And I was curious, so I looked back at the numbers since this game last year in week three that LSU just got manhandled against Mississippi State. Nick Brissett had the quote uh, via uh, Jock Doucette. Uh, I saw Jock Doucette tweet out the video where uh, the LSU running back said, they beat the crap out of us. Yeah. They beat the dog crap out of us. We whipped the dog crap out of them. That was Um, good. Yeah, I've I've practiced that many a time. Um, But, I mean, if you look back on what LSU did since this game – it's amazing, and I want I want to I want to throw some of these numbers out there because I think they'll surprise the general public. So since that game in week three of 2017, LSU is 11 and three against Power Five teams. You hit it at you hinted at it earlier. Their only losses were at number 22 Florida, at number one Alabama, and against Notre Dame in the bowl last year in Orlando. So those are three games against ranked opponents, all of which were away from Tiger Stadium against ranked teams during that stretch. Five and three. Get this, not one team has exceeded 27 points against LSU since They had to play Arkansas, that that's why. It's a very good point. Yeah. Consider this, though. During that same exact stretch, Georgia is 14-3 and against the Power Five. Georgia has four wins against ranked teams. Georgia only has two wins against top 10 teams. LSU has three. How many times has a team scored at least 28 points against the Georgia defense? Five times. Five times. LSU, Zippo, Nada. Just saying. Should we should we be looking at LSU in a different light? If you could if you add in the recruiting stuff, I know they're not recruiting quite on the historic level that Georgia is, but they're still gonna have a top ten class, maybe even a top five class. Should we be looking them more at on the same level as as Georgia just in terms of capabilities? Or are we being held back just because of this streak against Bama? I mean, my mind has has no limits. You know that. Yes, I do. So I'm not holding myself. <laughs> I like the way you said that. Um, yeah, I mean that's when you. When, uh, to be fair, when you br- first brought this up, I hope that we didn't. Have, I'm sure somebody was screaming at their phone, computer, car radio, and was like, "We just beat UJ last week." So you mean overall in the conference, not just last week, and them being second to Alabama. They were an so, eight-point home underdog to Georgia last week, and they win that game by twenty. And I Vegas think doesn't I, always get it right. No, I know, but but here's There's here's my point: is, is that like that was viewed as such a big shocking upset, yeah. and maybe we should have been looking at these teams. I know that Georgia went to the national championship, and you know LSU did not get off to the start last year, and obviously that that kind of limited their upside and what they were able yeah. to do. But should we just be looking at these teams a little bit more evenly instead of this like shock that LSU could pull off such a feat? That's yeah, I mean, it is, it is a, a, you know, a lot of it has to do with like the preconceived notions because, you know, we talked about preseason. I, I kept saying that LSU's going to go way, like, they're going to go over six, six and a half wins. Not even in question. But in the same episode, and almost in the same breath, I said, you said, what coach is on the hot seat the most? And I was like, oh, it's, it's Edward Drone. Because. You know, this had, this had a tendency to go off the rails. And it's crazy to think that, like, with, I mean, they've beaten UGA. They've beaten Miami. They've beaten Auburn. Two of those three were on the road. They went. They lost to Florida. Away from Tiger Florida. Stadium, too. Yes. Two of them. Yeah. Right. So they, they, they lose to Florida on the road. Then they have another ranked opponent they got to face this weekend. This has been the toughest schedule, I think, in the country. Oh, no and question. They're going to be 6-1. And, and not just 6-1. and one, It's not like they're eking out victories. Six and one. I know that happened in Auburn, but like they dominated Miami, they dominated they dominated Georgia. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is time to talk to, him, talk to him or talk about them in the same breath. I mean, nobody's going to recruit like George is right now or how Bama has in the past, like, you know, seven, eight years. But, yeah, hell of a job by Coach O, and it's, you know, it's not over yet. It's not, and I, and I think that um, you, you look at this game and this, this I, I find myself wanting to say that LSU should just be able to roll over Mississippi State because Mississippi State is going to come whoa, in. Whoa, whoa, I, I find myself wanting to say that with all of those numbers out there. That That's, that's right. why I say that. But I find myself also being like, hey, wait a minute. Let's consider the fact that Mississippi State is not going to do what Georgia tried to do, which was throw the ball way too much against a secondary that's really, really good. Yeah. That's what we know about LSU. Mississippi State is going to go in there. They're going to try and run the ball. They're going to try and pound, pound the rock as much as possible, do what they did last year where Nick Fitzgerald really got going. Aris Williams was dominant in yeah. that game as well. We think it's going to be a different show with Kylan Hill. Do they still have Aris Williams? Yeah, he's, he's still there. I think he's got like 29 carries on the year or something like that. He's preseason, like second team all-conference. All yeah, Kylan Hill is, has been the dude there. But I think with Mississippi State going into this game, if you're if you're Joe Moorhead, you know you've had a week to watch film on this LSU defense, and you're saying to yourself, "Why in the world would we try and throw? We're going to try right. and shorten this game as much as possible. Make this one of those like grind it out, 17, 14, 17, 13 type games. That's the only way that Mississippi State, I think, has a chance in this one." Yeah, I would agree because you know we talked about it like last week. I mean, Jake Fromm, I still think is one of the better quarterbacks in the conference, if not the country. Nick Fitzgerald is, besides our favorite neighbor. Terry Wilson, he's probably the worst in terms of accuracy quarterback in the conference. Probably. I mean, I mean, they're they're going to have to get it done on the ground, and I don't see how you do that against a Dave Aranda defense. Yeah, the only hope is is that Mississippi State just wears him down and is able to pick, <laughs> kind of get something going and do what they did against Auburn. I mean, quite frankly, it's, it's, the same, it's the same type of thing from a game plan standpoint. I'm not saying that they're going to be able to do that. But, but see, the, the re- like I get that, and like – yeah, that this should wear him down. I get, I get what you're saying. It's like a, a, a great idea, sure. But and they did that against Auburn. You know why they were able to do that against Auburn? Because Auburn couldn't sustain drives. Trash. Yeah, exactly. Like, and and the, you know, as long as as long as Joe Burrow doesn't tire himself out by completing too many passes, I don't see them being able to do that. And also, Ed Orgeron doesn't get tired. He's like Kevin Gates. You don't get tired. By the way, that defense is gonna be fine. Spoiler alert: I can say this because we recorded picks with Luke Del Rio last night. You definitely said that again when we talked about the game. So you you repeated yourself. Nothing, nothing like a little repeat. Um, that's okay. Fine, fine. Um, but yeah, I, I I do think that what a key thing to remember with this is that Mississippi State comes in with the number one scoring defense in the country. Let's not forget that. Let's not forget that this is still a defense that has. Talent across the defensive line. We talk every week about Jeffrey yeah, Simmons and Montez Sweat, true. and this is still and, a defense that has. LSU struggle with that pass rush against Florida. Exactly, exactly, and and can can they get that that type of pressure off the edge and, and repeat what you know Jakai Polite did with Florida and and have one of those games like you know Voshan Joseph where Joe Burrow is just kind of in over his head. Can they right. find ways to do that with their front seven? That's that to me is is a major key in this game, and that's that's probably why the spread is only sitting there at what six seven points well, right now. And you're coming off two straight weeks of having big emotional games, right? Um, and if anybody knows emotion, it's me. I'm, I'm emotional all the time. I'm emotional right now, Connor. You are. Blind sides on. We're having to do this podcast. I mean, it's a tough Wednesday. Regardless. This is also a program that I know that they don't have the same players or coaches in, in-house. They have they have beaten LSU in Death Valley at night recently, within five years at least. That would be pretty. That would be pretty impressive to to flip a thirty-seven to seven result 
that quickly just because it was it was such a beatdown last year. Yeah. I know Darius Geis wasn't healthy in that game, but that game to me was kind of the oh boy moment for LSU fans realizing what did they get themselves into with Coach O, and that's when all of this negativity around him oh kind boy. of started. How many times? You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna save it. I'm gonna save it. Speaking of um, the blind side, let's talk about um, uh, Mrs. Tui's favorite color, that Tennessee orange. Bama, Tennessee. By the way, I saw her at the at the um, yeah. at the Bama Ole Miss game. She was just in the press conference. So it I wasn't say, Sandra like, Bullock, but it was you know. My favorite. Oh, I wish it was my favorite. My favorite. I thought about this when this when it was on earlier, and my favorite quote, maybe ever, out of you, was I was like, "How'd you know it was her?" And you go, "She had a giant bedazzled shirt on that said Tui on the back," and I was like, "Okay, <laughs> perfect. That's." Sounds about right. I was like, now, "What's she, what's she doing in here?" This. And then I was like, "Oh yeah, no, that's that's definitely her." Let's let's preface this, which is our new favorite word. My favorite word. Your favorite word. Um, how we're we gonna break down this game? Okay, the third Saturday in October is not. This is we're looking at very different circumstances here. Um, you could we could talk about eleven years of Bama dominance, whatever, blah blah blah. That's boring. And we will. All I want to talk about is intern Butch Jones going back to Knoxville. That's it. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you some my objective side of this. Then I'm gonna give you the other side. Intern Butch Jones being back in Knoxville. We have not made the connection, by the way, this year. I'm a little upset at us for for not being able to figure this out. Alabama has this historical offense that is number one in the country in scoring. Yeah. All that don't, stuff. Don't, whatever you're gonna say. First year do it. of intern Butch Jones as an offensive analyst, and I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Brick by brick, that offense has just just built up a wall of records. <laughs> and he's been fortunate. Not a single player has fallen on a helmet. Um, you know, hurt himself. Luckily, it hasn't happened to Tua. Yeah, let's let's definitely give Butch Jones making thirty eight k a year all the credit on this. So on this somebody offense. somebody asked Nick Saban on the SEC coaches teleconference today. Um, basically, hey, is Butch is Butch gonna be there? You know, and and yeah. it's like, yeah, he goes to every one of our games. He's a coach, man. <laughs> and then uh, it's like, you know, he's not allowed to communicate with the players or anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's driving the bus. <laughs> what do you, what's the question? Uh, and then somebody also, I think the follow-up was something like, oh, yeah, like, how, how has he helped you? What's he been able to do? What's his role like? Basically, what is he getting paid to do? And yeah. um, Saban had the response of, yeah, he has to come up with this report for me, and he has to come up with a summary of things that he thinks we could be doing better offensively. I want to see that report so oh badly. God. Oh my gosh! I would love to see like the cover photo of it, because you know he he like tries like I really want to impress Coach. Like I don't I don't know what to do. like you know he's got like a PowerPoint presentation, yep. all set up and like real excited and like it probably has like the faded out letters like the like 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 going from slide to slide. Investors, maybe you. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, he's wearing an Alabama track. <laughs> he's he's wearing an Alabama tracksuit that still has the tags on it because he yeah, doesn't want to re- doesn't want to buy. I would it give anything if, if Butch it. Jones came in with like a boats and hose type type video. He just that was his whole thing. <laughs> Not Joe's Lemonheads. All right, moving on. Um. So, all right, more we we have more intern Butch Jones stuff. Uh, Ale.com posted this video of Josh Jacobs, the Alabama running back, saying, uh, we kind of joke with him about it, about the whole situation. He's never smoked a cigar before, so we try to make that a goal of his. Butch Jones, the picture of him smoking a cigar on Saturday. I'm not Tennessee fans. I know you're listening, and I'm sorry. Bama's winning this game, and Bama's going to end up smoking cigars. Did you say that, Connor? You're going to have to see it on social media. 
All I want to see is Butch Jones smoking that cigar. He's going to smoke it wrong. He didn't smoke it, did he? He's going to, like, he guaranteed he lights the wrong end. He's, I mean, he, he like, I, I, I hope that they still don't let him smoke, like, a real cigar. I hope it's, like, a, like a, a Swisher Sweet, and he just, like, like, a little filter on the end. Or, like, my grandma's, like, Virginia Slims, like, those long-ass, like, really long cigarettes. Like, I hope that's what he's smoking. Isn't it kind of weird, though, that Bama still does this? I mean, no. it's 11 years. 11 years smoking in cigars, a row. it's a tradition. You guys have those stupid, if it was a trophy, you'd love it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean, <laughs> you guys? I know where you're going with this, but I just want you yeah. to say it. Northerners, carpetbaggers. You didn't say the Y word, so I guess we're good. Y'all. Uh, there you go. Um, Inter Butch Jones has been outscored, or he was outscored, in his five games against <laughs> Alabama, 192-61. to 61. That's an average of 26 points. What do we think Tennessee is going to lose this game by? I don't know if they're going to cover the spread, but... I mean, maybe they keep. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. And actually, we went over some of this in like the the breakdown of it with like with Luke. They have the ability, as you saw, as you saw last week against Auburn, to you know put up some yards to the air, put up some points and and that kind of stuff. And Bama's secondary has been vulnerable at times this year. Been a little bit shaky, huh? Like my hands right now after I had all them shots of espresso. Here we go. I'll say this. This is still the same offense that was ranked 91st in the country going into last week's game against Auburn. And still the same team. I, I know they had six turnovers. They've played better away from home. They have. They, 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 that's a really good point. They, especially know, the last two it. weeks. Yeah. So basically, is Knoxville their kryptonite? No. not. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, you know, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you brought it up. But to quote Roger Schultz, now, now we're going to get into the homer side of it. To quote Roger Schultz, who's a Bama center, you guys most know him. He's most famous for losing over 160 pounds on The Biggest Loser on NBC a couple of years ago. I thought I remember that name, yeah. He, uh, they asked him, they said, what's it like? You know, they, they'd won like five or six games in a row or something like that. He said, we got to start paying taxes on this place because we own these people. Wow. What? Think you fired up right now? Here's the thing. Bama hasn't lost these people in a long time. Last time they did, I was in shape. I had a 3.2 GPA. Whoa. I was young, innocent, fly, fresh, whatever you want to say. You've seen the pictures on Twitter. What lifetime, gone now. What lifetime was this? This was like 11 years ago. I was just a, a little, little, little filly, I guess, for to use a terrible, I don't know what I'm saying. we got to stop. <laughs> we will definitely stop. I will say I this, just, though. I, don't, I think they scored like 14 points. Yeah, Jared Garantano looked really good last week, obviously. He was the highest-graded offensive player in the country, according to Pro Football Focus. On the other side, Tua enters this game. We think that the right knee is still going to potentially limit him. If he is going to play, he's not going to play that much in hopes that he you know, has his usual three touchdown passes in the first quarter. You bring in Jalen Hurts, yeah. he plays two quarters, Mac Jones plays one. That's how we would assume that this game would, would play out. Here's an interesting question, though. Would you sit Tua in this game? No. Knowing Why that the bye you? week is coming up and knowing that the LSU game is after that, would any part of you say, you know what, we're just going to be overly cautious. We got Jalen Hurts. Let's just decide to sit our star quarterback and just you know, kind of hope that everything goes well. No, I mean, I don't see why you break the rhythm at this point. You can play him for a quarter where he doesn't get touched. You can, you can make the... The plays that, that are that are called for him, um, you know, as safe as possible, where he's where he's not going to get touched by this defense. Kongbo's out for the year. 
I, I just... By the way, Luke Del Rio, not a Kongbo fan. Not a Kongbo fan. Not at all. Um, but I do. I just think that... you. you it's like my grandpa used to always say, you dance with the one that brung you. You know what that means, Connor? Everybody says don't. that. Not just your Yankee. grandpa. Stop being so... My mad. grandpa says it all. He says it the most. He also says the cream rises to the top or something. Crop. I don't know. Whatever, man. Grandpa sounds real voice. original. <laughs> my grandpa only speaks in cliches and live, laugh, love posters. Regardless. <laughs> um, I think that... Uh, I, I, th- I think you stick with them, even if they're a quarter. Just don't break, don't break the streak. I can't, I can't, I can't go a week without Tua. Come on, don't do this. Tua is going to be throwing the ball all over the place. Tell us about the T-shirt that is advertising for a certain program. We're not going to name which program it is, but no. they may or may not wear a certain color that's in their mascot. Um, tell us about that T-shirt that we are partnering with. Well, I'll tell you what, Connor, uh, a lot of you saw just the swag that I was dripping last week um, at a certain college town in, uh, in the state to the west of the one I'm in right now. And I will say this, we have partnered with Breaking Tea to produce a, a fun new shirt for fans, uh, fans of a certain teams that have loved the phrase, run the damn ball. Well, now, thanks to a, just a Hawaiian godsend, um, sent from above or out west, whatever you want to say, down to the south, southeast, uh, it might be appropriate to switch it up a bit to now throw the damn ball. As you can see on this shirt, look it up on our Instagram, look it up on Twitter. It's a fantastic shirt. It looks great. It feels nice. It fits nice. I looked fantastic. I think everybody knows that. Um, you can get the shirt now while supplies last at breakingt.com slash ttdb. That's breaking the letter T slash ttdb. So, there you go. We should get uh, Luke one of those shirts because... Technically, he is a former Alabama quarterback. People forget also that. Also true. We should, I don't we know why we had to single him. I mean, it, he was a quarterback of a lot of schools, not just that one you mentioned. Oregon State, yeah. People yeah, forget Florida. about that, too. Uh, we're going to we're gonna go to uh, our picks with Luke, and then after that, we had, like I said, our fun interview with, uh, with Tom Hart. So here are both of those. We are joined by our good friend, uh, Luke Del Rio. We're going to pick some Week 8 games we have six games in the SEC. Uh, go figure that Kentucky is the second biggest favorite of any of those teams. Maybe the biggest surprise uh, that we've seen so far in this 2018 season. Not really, but uh, we were talking about how Vegas hates Kentucky uh, the other day. But we are, are going to do a round robin here of picks. That way we will have a majority, at least on all of these, and you guys can you know, pretty much decipher for yourself who's the idiot. So... Uh, Uncle Chris, read us some spreads. I don't know how to say it like that. First off, just want to give a shout out here to our friends at my bookie, Uncle Chris, sixty-eight, and what? What are we at? Thirty-six, sixty-eight, and thirty-six on the year. We're just one away from the magic number. So, week eight games. Let's kick it off. Auburn heads to Ole Miss. Uh, just a battle of disappointment, and Auburn is a four and a half point favorite. Luke, who you got? Oh uh, well, I mean. 68 and whatever you guys are, 36, that, that is extraordinary compared to my average. So uh, for those of you that are listening, you probably want to listen to the other two guys and, and just pick the opposite of whatever, whatever I pick. Um, Auburn's been really disappointing. And every, every time I think they're going to bounce back, they surprise me in a bad way. So I'll take Ole Miss and I'll take the points. Miss, correct? Yeah. Four, four and a half, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so give me Ole Miss at home. I like it. I don't see Auburn getting that offense going. Um, you know, we saw the stats about kind of the run pass giveaways or uh, them not even disguise 
they're doing. So I got Ole Miss, even though I don't have a ton of confidence in them. I'm going to do the Lee Corso not so fast. Um, and I'm not going to say Washington, don't worry. Um, I'm going to say if there is if there is ever a get-right game for the Auburn rushing attack, it is against that Ole Miss defense. And I understand that they have struggled tremendously. The Auburn running backs have this offensive line that we talked about a ton. But, gosh, running backs tear apart Ole Miss. If, if, if we see Rakeem Boyd finish out that game last week, there's no doubt in my mind that he runs for two hundo. I think Auburn gets it going on the ground finally. You can be predictable against Ole Miss and still score points against that defense. I know four and a half is kind of a lot to give right now for an offense that looks horrible, but this is a, maybe this is finally a backs-against-the-wall game. Give me the Tigers to somehow cover on the road, and Ole Miss continues its streak of not winning against teams that are actually worth something in the SEC. Connor, I, you know, we... Thank you for the shout-out from Luke about how good the record is. We are definitely 0-for-1 on Lee Corso impressions. That being said, this is an 11 a.m. kickoff. It is brunch at the Grove. You know how lit that place can be, uh, but not yeah. at 11 o'clock in the morning. I will say this. This line opened at 3.5 from uh, in favor of Auburn. It's moved to 4.5 already. If it gets to 5, you know my favorite stat. 73% of teams that are a 5-5.5 to point underdog cover, and 41% of the time they went outright. Uh, yeah, definition of insanity. I've picked on. I've picked with Auburn all year, and it's not gone well. Okay, I've had to. I've had to pawn a lot of things because of this team. So I'm gonna go with <laughs> Ole Miss outright. There is that. Wow. Uh, moving on to the second game, one of the best rivalries in all the SEC. Vandy heads to yet another home game for Kentucky in Lexington. Uh, Cats coming off a bye week. They are a 11 and a half point favorite against the mighty Commodores of Vanderbilt. Luke, who you got? Oh, 11 and a half is a lot. But the way that Florida just played against Vanderbilt, basically giving them the game and still finding a way to win by 10 points, that Vanderbilt defense is porous at best. Uh, good use of porous right there. That was, yeah. Uh, Very good. Very almost good. had 600 <laughs> yards of offense. 600 yards of offense nearly uh, against that Vanderbilt defense. That's usually pretty solid. Derek Mason runs it. Um, Got to go on the road at Kentucky, which is a sneaky, hostile environment. You know, you don't think Kentucky loud crowd. It's not too bad. It's not. It's not top three or five, but it, it's it's respectable. I got Kentucky. I think they'll cover at home. Luke, I have to bring this up. Last year, you got into that Kentucky game, and I'm just going to say it: you were the MVP of that game, and pretty much the best player in college football that week. Is Kentucky your favorite place to play? <laughs> Well, Kentucky is my favorite team to play against because I was 2-0 and and I had the game of my life the year before against them when we beat the hell out of Sick them brag. in Gainesville. But, uh, yeah, humble brag. Um, but, you know, they, it, when I went into the game, it, it was kind of like a, there, there was not a lose situation. You know, if we lost the game, okay, we were down by 14 anyway. So I could, I could play a little more free than I usually do, and I ended up throwing a pick on my first drive, go figure. But, um, no, it is a fun place to play. The crowd gets into it. I'm going to say that just because of what you said, Kentucky being a sneaky tough place to play, the Wildcats cover their first decent-sized spread coming off of a bye. Benny Snell gets going. He kind of gets the legs back a little bit. That We talked about that workload early in the year and how that was going to be kind of tough on him. I still think that you can be one-dimensional against Vandy and you could really just pound the rock and Terry Wilson's not going to have to throw it a whole lot. 
Vandy is not going to be able to move the ball against that defense. Josh Allen is a monster. Um, AP, probably first team, first team All-American as of right now. Uh, yeah, give me give me the Cats to cover 11.5 at home. I know that's a big spread, though. Nobody circles the wagons. Like, what, what does he always say? Dang it, I messed that up. Come the on, Chris. Buffalo Bills. Um, oh, no. There it is. So, Kentucky, uh, ESPN has him as an 85% chance to win this game. I love the word porous. It's fantastic. That's actually my word of the day calendar that I have here. I love it. Um, nice. I, I'm just waiting for Vanderbilt to roll over and die, and I feel like it's going to happen. We're far enough removed from the Notre Dame game um, to stop yep. thinking that they're even adequate at best. So if you look at Kentucky, they're 6-0. All their six wins were – or they were 6-0 before the A&M game. All six wins by double digits or more, right? Is that right? Did I mess that up? That's right. No, I think, I think that's right. That's on the money. Yeah. So I'll just, you know, I'll use that my bookie, buy down a point, take it down or a point and a half, and just, you know, assume they're going to do this again to the worst team in the SEC. I will take Kentucky to cover as well. Moving on to the next game. Um, actually, let's save this one. Let's go oof, to this barn burner. Tulsa leaves the big city, heads up to Fayetteville, Arkansas, despite being one and six uh, and losing six straight. Our favorite quarterback, Connor, can I say it? Fine, go ahead. This is the story of a hurl. They are a seven-point favorite. Luke, who you got? Wait, Arkansas is favorited in a game. You're kidding. Yeah. No, dead serious. Wow. Wow. Well, they did put up 31 points against Alabama's defense. I actually watched a lot of that game. Really creative on offense. Used their uh, interior weapons really well. The tight ends, running backs, kind of stayed away from throwing on the perimeter. Um I think Arkansas will win. I don't know if they'll win by touchdown. I don't know a whole lot about Tulsa, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll pick Arkansas to win but not cover. So money line for me. Uh, or if you're, if you're really that uh, unconfident in Arkansas, then go ahead and take Tulsa. Tulsa is coming off of that uh, game against USF where if you went to bed early on Friday night, or if you just flipped off the TV, you know, did the Kirk Herbstreit thing, you thought that they beat USF, which was undefeated. That didn't happen. Tulsa blew that game. But having said that, Arkansas, Ty Story, if he's able to play in this one, and if Rakeem Boyd's able to play, I'm not sure if we know the health of uh, their status for this week while we're recording this on a Tuesday night. But I think that they kind of found their offensive identity. This is kind of what they've been hoping to establish is to at least have some sort of one-two punch where you can spread you can spread teams out and then have Boyd you know be that in in between the tackles guy. So uh, I, I'm buying the chance that Arkansas can cover a touchdown at home. I mean, goodness gracious, this team has been trending in a positive direction. I want to say they've been making some big headways in recruiting. You get Hunter Henry's little brother to come on board. I think the fans in Fayetteville are finally going to get a win to celebrate against an FBS team. Yeah, I don't understand how many Henrys and Allens there are left in that, that entire damn state. But, yeah, they got another one. So many. They got another one somehow. Um, so, yeah, Tulsa uh, cost me last weekend in South Florida. That was pretty upsetting for me. Uh, I obviously don't have a lot of love for them after that. I will say the same point you said about Rakeem Boyd. Tulsa is giving up 214 rush yards per game. Um, I like Arkansas here. I really do. They're going back to Fayetteville and, and not Little Rock. Thank God because it's the worst place to play. I'm going to say... Regardless of stories in or not, um, I think they have a better game. Fun fact, Arkansas has 12 interceptions this year, which is last. They've thrown 12 interceptions last in the conference. Um, they had 15 all of last season. If they can just protect the football, uh, I think I think they win. I think they cover as well. So good job by us. A lot of variation in our picks. Moving on, 
Memphis is headed to Missouri. So Memphis, fresh off uh, that just crushing defeat to the hopes and dreams of all people outside of Orlando, Florida. They lost to Central Florida last weekend. They head to Como, Missouri, licking their wounds. Nine and a half point favorite against Memphis. Luke, what do you what do you got? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna avoid jumping all over that that <laughs> delicious treat that is UCF delusional fans. I think I've buried them in the ground deep enough uh, to where we can just move on to this game. But uh, UCF, you're a joke. Um, I will take <laughs> Missouri to cover. I know that's a lot of points, but Memphis coming off of an emotional loss. Playing a team that had won 18, now 19 in a row. Uh, you put everything into that game. I think Missouri's going to catch them sleeping. Missouri hung in there with Alabama. It's funny. They, they were down by 20 most of the game. And I, I turned it off and it was 30 to 10. And then that's hanging in there against Alabama. It, it's just so skewed <laughs> nowadays. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's a confidence builder. Missouri plays on the road at Alabama. Uh, Tua gets hurt. That obviously had an effect in the game, but I think Missouri's playing with some momentum right now, some confidence. I got them to cover. You know, you, Luke, your uh, Drew Locke overrated take, it has not lost momentum. I'll say that. I, I, I will say that. Historically overrated. That Alabama showing. Historically. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I'm, Historically overrated. I'm becoming more and more... I'm becoming more and more skeptical of him just because I hate the way that he handles pressure. But in a game where Memphis is not going to be able to dominate this this Missouri offensive line, I think Missouri is much better in the trenches in this one. Drew Locke is a clean pocket to throw into. And even without Emmanuel Hall, who could potentially even redshirt, that's a, that was a possibility that was thrown out there today because of the new redshirt rule. Uh, Barry Odom basically said, like, oh, we want to get him back as soon as possible. But um, anyways... Drew Locke's not going to have his top target for this game, but I still think that he gets a clean enough pocket to make some big-time throws. This should not be a game that Mizzou struggles to score some points. I say that they win this game by uh, maybe maybe two touchdowns, but um, gosh, if you're if you're Mizzou, you got to get this one. If you're Barry Odom, you need this one badly. Connor, in the words of Lee Corso, you're stupid. Boom, roasted. Uh, <laughs> Memphis... <laughs> First off, is averaging 44 points a game. That's a lot. Uh, they also, their defense is giving about 360 yards a game. You guys can obviously tell I have ESPN open in front of me right now. Um, Memphis <laughs> on the road, though. They are 0-2 on the road. They lost at Navy, which is played on a ship, so that's tough to, tough to play there anyway. And they also lost at Tulane. Um, so in, in those games, they're only averaging 22.5 points. I like what you're all saying about Missouri. It's nice. I got to watch them in person this past week. Uh, having Emmanuel Hall back, I think, would be a difference maker. And, you know, I've, I've been saying all year, Missouri's defense is a lot better than people give them credit for. That being said, Memphis is still a pretty decent team, and it's crazy to me to think that a Missouri team has a, almost a double-digit favorite coming off of three straight losses. So I will take Memphis to cover uh, the nine-and-a-half points. Do you, you realize Memphis is one in three in the AAC, which is the powerhouse that Luke Del Rio, of course, loves to talk about with uh, UCF. You, you realize that, right? I thought, we talked, I, thought way, I was I, doing all the stats today. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you a stat. I lost a good chunk of change on that Memphis Tulane game, so thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, man. same, same. I don't even want to tell you what I've lost in the WNBA preseason. <laughs> um, so I, I've got Memphis still uh, to cover. That, that was a tough night, though. I mean, a Friday night in, two, in New Orleans, half the team was probably in, on Bourbon Street. You can't play games there. True. Anyway, anyway. I digress. Uh, moving on, we have two more games to see. Let's get to the big one in Knoxville. 
Uh, Bama heads to Tennessee. It has been 4,278 days since uh, they have beaten, since Tennessee has beaten Alabama while we record this podcast. Just want to throw that fun fact out there. Um, Bama headed to Knoxville, still a 29.5 point favorite with a gimpy Hawaiian. Just incredible, incredible quarterback. Can't say enough nice things about him, right, Connor? Can't say enough, man. <laughs> um, Bama 29 point favorite. Luke, who you got? 29 and a half is a lot. Um, I'm actually 0 for 3 on betting Alabama this year. I, I bet for them to cover twice. They did not cover those two times, and then I bet them not to cover, and they did. So uh, whatever I say, I guess ignore me. But you I don't got a good feel. I, I think that's too many points. I think Tennessee finally got some confidence under their belt and got their first road win, a uh, big win against a kind of a sputtering Auburn team. But I think Jeremy Pruitt knows that team, that staff, well enough to where they'll be competitive long enough to a little gimpy. They say he's fine. I still think it affects him a little bit, maybe not on the stat sheet, but maybe more so on the play calling. Maybe they won't move him as much. Um, but 30 is, is too much for me. You know, for, they have to score 30 to cover, so I, I, don't, I don't like that. Luke, I got to ask you a question. I realize that we've, I don't think we've ever brought this up to you before, which is mind boggling. When you're a player, do you know the spread of games and do you actually think about it don't, during a game ever? Don't answer that. I no, I mean, not to get you in trouble. To it. I, no, I, I, never, I never even like thought about it or knew about it really until my second to last year, so 2016, just because sports betting wasn't legal so it, yeah, outside of Vegas. Oh. So it wasn't really as, you know, this is the first year where it's like everywhere. You know, everybody kind of has a sports betting segment. I do, too, on the drawback. But it, it wasn't as publicized then. But if the spread was huge, then it would get more attention because then it's like a slap in the face and it's bulletin board material. But other than that, no, right. not really. Okay, that's that's what I what I wanted to get to because I don't think it, that it's totally lost on people, and I think it's more so of a respect-disrespect thing. And that's really why spreads kind of fascinate me uh, to begin with. But I, I had to at least throw that out there. I am – going to take Tennessee as well. Great pick. Great pick, as Lee Corso oh would say. Oh, my God. Um, so bad. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was horrendous. Um, no, I, I'm going with the Vols. Just, you know, I like the fact that Jeremy Pruitt comes into this game having actually looked like he had a defense that knew what it was doing last week. And I understand that Auburn's offense compared to Alabama's offense is night and day. But I think that those defensive, those, those defensive linemen are really going to be flying off the ball at a game where – you actually feel good if you're a Vol fan, and not to say that that means that they're gonna stick around in this game, but yeah, I mean they could win, they could lose by 26 points or 24 points. People forget they were only down 12 with five minutes left against Georgia in Athens. I mean, say what you want about Tennessee, and I still think that the program has a long way to go, even after the nice win last week. But you know, this team might not be quite the doormat that we thought, and I think in a game where you're questioning how healthy two is going to be and what the offense is going to look like and the receivers banged up. Give me Tennessee to cover a 29 point spread. Uh, are you done? Cause I'm about to just, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to roast you on this one. Do it. Okay. First off, people don't forget about that 12 point lead with five minutes ago in the UGA thing. Cause you bring it up every week. Boom. Roasted. I do. Second off. Yep. Uh, I did a lot of research this week on Sunday night, trying to come out a little stat pack on SDS and uh, here's a fun fact. I'm probably going to butcher um, this being like an eloquent stat, but I'm going to give it my best shot. Alabama's first half scoring offense is averaging 38.3 points per game. 
That would rank 20th overall in the country in total points per game. Another fun fact, Alabama's averaging 373 yards of offense in the first half alone. That's better than two teams' uh, total yards per game in the SEC, Kentucky and Tennessee. So I don't see Tennessee's D-line flying off the ball. Kongbo is out for the rest of the year. I think it was they looked great last week, and they've been a lot more competitive. Overrated. Who is? Kongbo? Kongbo. Oh, my God. Um, I'll get to it after this. Keep going. Sorry. I okay. just had to. Here, oh. Are we are we still there? Yeah, Father, you are you are you are still alive. We think. Okay, Uncle Chris. I was all I was all fired up. Now we're good. Anyway, sorry, I really threw you off with that little. <laughs> my bad. I just I, 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 I like knocked your microphone off your phone. What? I guess. But, <laughs> yeah, that's anyway. Oh, back a freak to it. of nature that just sucks at football. Keep going. Okay, so Woo. Bama going in this game. I understand Tua. He might be hurt. It's been eleven years since Tennessee. I, I grew up watching this game. I'm trying my best to be objective. Um, Tennessee's in, headed in the right direction. I, I, I grew up watching Peyton Manning beat my favorite team every single year. This is the kind of the stretch they're in now. And I get what you're saying about, you know, if Tua can't go, like, you know, do they, do they take him out? They've still put up 40 with Jalen on in the past two seasons. I don't see this really being close. I think the over at 57 is the actual best play, maybe the best play of the entire yep. week. But, yeah, I, I don't see Tennessee having like, – Garantano might have some decent numbers through the air – but I don't see Bama having a problem with this at all. And this is a rivalry game, and I think they're going to be pretty fired up for it. And they're heading to the bye week next week. So I've got Bama covering 29. Go on with the Kongbo hate. Well, good call. Good call with the over. I like the over at 57 way more than I like either of the spread picks. Um, but yeah, Kongbo, I think, is a Juco guy. All I remember is two years ago, there, he was this freak of nature, six foot six. Uh, you know, lean, muscular guy, supposed to be a great football player. And we played him, and he not only didn't play well, he didn't look like he played hard. And to, to see a guy that has that much talent and to lack the effort is so infuriating when you, you're not necessarily six foot four. I don't know, maybe you're around six one, two fifteen. you play quarterback, maybe you're a little undersized, I don't know, something like that. Um, <laughs> it's frustrating when you see guys that have all of the physical tools and they don't have the rest that you control. So that's why I'm not a Kongba fan. Luke is a former college Fair athlete. Enough. I totally get it. So, and you know, the touching on what Connor said earlier, you know, like I, we did have a huge point shaving scandal. We knew about the lines at my division two baseball school. So I just, I just want to throw that out there. Um, <laughs> going in, going into the last game of the week, LSU, I, guys, tell me if you've heard this before. LSU has another, <laughs> facing another ranked opponent. What? Um, LSU, it gets back to death Valley. And uh, I'm not sure if they got that, that down marker returned after they flooded the field last week. But Mississippi State, coming off a bye week, is a seven-point underdog in a night game in Death Valley. Luke, who do you got? Well, whoever scheduled or made up LSU's schedule, dear Lord, you need to be fired. Or better yet, Agreed. go work for UCF, please. <laughs> Bring heat. So, so uh, I, I got LSU in this, seven points. If it was eight, I probably wouldn't take it, but I feel comfortable with seven. Um, Mississippi State has kind of fallen off. I, I think they're a poor man's LSU. And if Ooh. this was Mississippi State in week two, yeah, I would take it. But Joe Burrow's got some confidence. That offense is rolling. A uh, little hiccup against Florida, but that was still a, a tough, close loss. It wasn't like they got dominated like Georgia just got dominated against LSU. I just hope they don't look past them 
because they have Alabama coming up, and they just came off a big win. This is kind of that sandwich where you get a, a good, not great team in between two really good teams. I hope they don't look past them, but I do feel confident that LSU will cover. You made my point for me. Thank you, Luke. I, I had Mississippi State winning this game all offseason, and I kept referencing <laughs> the 37-7 game that they played last year in Starkville where they just flat-out punched him in the mouth, and I think Nick Brissett basically came out today and admitted that. Um, but I, I do I think that you make a lot of great points. I think coming off of the emotional win last week, and everybody, of course, now is talking about you know that showdown against Bama, and we're looking ahead already. Um, I don't necessarily think this is a game that LSU loses, but is this a game that Mississippi State is going to try and run the ball? That's all they're going to try and do. That LSU secondary is so good, and I think Joe Burrow is going to make some plays in this one, but against a defense that is first in the country in scoring right now. I mean, lost in the shuffle of this frustrating start for Mississippi State is that that defense has balled out, and I know they had some tough moments down the stretch against Kentucky and against Florida, but this is still a really, really good defense. And I'm not doubting LSU, but I just think that Mississippi State keeps it close enough to cover this one. This ends up being like a, I don't know, one of these like 23 to 17 games that LSU just kind of wipes the brow of sweat and just kind of moves on. But Mississippi State covers in this. Kind of tell you something right now. Kind of game where Vegas <laughs> just giggles at you after the game is over with. Yep, definitely. For the line is seven, and, it, and it's a, you know, they could kick a field goal, but they just take a knee and run the clock out, and you're just Oof, pissed. That hurts already hearing yeah. it. Connor, <laughs> uh, let me tell you something right now. Uh, I told you that week, we had UGA coming here. Who let the dog out? La Tette. I 2-0 again, Bulldog. 2-0. There's no chance. There's no chance. Ed Orgeron is not going to get this group back up for this game, it's a night game in Death Valley. Their fans are already drunk, already preparing for it, even though it's Tuesday. It's going to be loud as hell. I'm, I mean, I've been all in on LSU since the summer. Humble brag. You've been all in on Mississippi State since the summer. This is our war, all right? This is a big game for us. I, I'm talking about me and you, Connor, not this game. Okay, that's – I mean, I, I get that. I, I, I kind of had this one coming. I've been having this game circled on my calendar for a very long time. I realize that my time has come, so I can – Yeah, me too. I, I did 20 that. push-ups this week. Dang, career high for you. Very that's proud right. of you. <laughs> so let me tell you very something proud. about balanced offense. LSU, 202.1 yards passing per game. 202.1 yards rushing per game. I like that. It's a lot, lot of, uh, lot of balance in the offense. Something Mississippi State doesn't really know about. I, I like the point you made about LSU's secondary being good because I think it's the best secondary in the country. That really isn't gonna matter, I don't think, because Nick Fitzgerald. Oh, here we go. Nick. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> who, who's got a better secondary? Florida. Luke, who, who is a better secondary than, than LSU? Florida right now. Or Georgia. I like how you said the eye. Georgia. Uh, one what? corner alone. Baker is better than yeah. half of the secondaries in college football. Well, they had four turnovers right, this week right, against that enough. secondary. Just want to throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, I'll take my medicine. Okay, no, I, I, but I agree. They're saying Nick Fitzgerald is just such a horrifically bad passer, and you know we saw what they did against Auburn, and we we're like, wow, man, I can't believe they ran for 350 yards against against that defensive front. Blah blah blah, because it's Auburn. We thought they were something they weren't. And then Tennessee went out and threw for 300 yards. So I think Joe Burrow. As long as he doesn't get out ahead of himself and tucker himself out by throwing more than 55% completion percentage, you know, if he keeps it under that, I think they would win. 
Yeah. I'll, I, okay. Well, we're. I think we disagreed on every single pick, so that that's good. <laughs> um, I don't think there was a single game that we were all unanimous on. Uh, Luke, we're gonna have to do this more often, man. Right, do you want to? Can you can you plug anything? You want to plug uh, the dropback? You got any new schedule that you're gonna be going with to troll UCF fans? Yeah, absolutely. I know. I know. Probably all ten of them <laughs> listen to this show. Um, there's not a lot of them out there, but they sure are loud. So the dropback, my show, the dropback, it's on Sundays at noon, and then Monday, Wednesday, and Friday evenings. I will be doing more shows from now on. I'm probably gonna go to a daily show. Um, it's going to become nice. kind of my full-time job. So I'm going to be pushing more and more content, going to have apparel soon, going to be interviewing former Gators, former college football players, former NFL players, former NFL coaches. It's going to be ramped up. So if you haven't already, subscribe to The Dropback on iTunes and YouTube. I think you'll really like it. If you like Saturday Down South, you will enjoy The Dropback. It's awesome stuff, man. It really is. And congratulations on going after it and, and making it full-time. That's, that's great. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yes, I love from- I love this segment. By the way, I think uh, I think it's fun the way you guys do it and bring up good points. But uh, you know, I, I feel confident about my picks this week. Not gonna lie. <laughs> we're we we're gonna have it, to man. bring you back on for we're, we'll bring you back on for picks. We we uh, we do appreciate you coming on, and we will definitely uh, totally uh, not fade your picks or anything like that. Okay. <laughs> well, well, I'll say this: if any of you, either of you, get any pick wrong. You will see it. I will tweet it. I will hide it. You know that you were wrong and I was right. So I expect the same in reverse. That sounds good. Fair enough. Fair enough. Thanks for coming on, Luke. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank you, guys. Talk to you soon. We're now excited to welcome on uh, SEC Network announcer Tom Hartz. Very, very special guest. Uh, Tom is basically the SEC version of... Gus Johnson, uh, in many ways, just because I feel like whenever I flip over to that SEC Network game <laughs> on Saturday night, uh, something crazy always happens, and uh, it's a down-to-the-wire game. Uh, Tom, let's let's start right there. Um, do you have one of those Buffalo Wild Wings buttons in the booth to make all of those <laughs> Saturday night SEC games so exciting? I wish I did, because I would, I would overdo that thing. I would just be hammering it like I was at Vegas at the jackpot. <laughs> I don't there's nothing an announcer likes more than a close game, and especially a game that is close because of a comeback when it's least expected. Uh, those are, you know, peeling back the curtain a little bit, those are the games that allow you to get some stories in to tell you about the guys on the field and why you should care about them. And then once the action gets going again, you can just focus on the action. So I'll take it. If you're, if you're telling me that we're having gusgasms at the end of every SEC Network game, I will take that every week. I love it. Uh, you've, I mean, you've seen some pretty crazy things this year so far already. I mean, you saw Kentucky uh, end the streak at Florida, and then last week you get to see Ole Miss kind of have this wild comeback uh, against Arkansas. What was the most surprising thing that you've seen from one of your games so far this year? Wow, that's a great question. Um, you know, within the game, there's always a couple things that surprise me on any given Saturday night. Um, and then... I don't know if I could really pinpoint one one single game. You know, Kentucky's win at Florida was historical in that they hadn't done it in 31 years, but it didn't surprise any of us that were on that game. We knew what Kentucky had coming back. We knew how talented they were. Um, so I can't say that was that was a surprise to us, even though folks around the college football world took note of that. 
So I don't know that there is any one thing. I, we're just, I'm just so honored to be able to see elite athletes and coaches up close every week because just like Jordan Tamu on Saturday night, you never know what they're really capable of until they're pressed into that moment. And Tamu's had a, a great, if limited, run with Ole Miss. And I got to, I'd be lying if I said that I thought he could have the second most productive day in Ole Miss history behind Archie Manning. You know, that was, especially given some of the quarterbacks they've had over the last five years. So that was surprising, but I also don't know that he pulls that off unless he's given that opportunity in that it was a road game and they were trailing and they had to have his production to win that game. He was pressed into service and he answered. And it seems like every week, whether it's, you know, a Josh Allen or a Benny Snell or Jordan Tamu, um, every week in the SEC, at least for our games, there's somebody else stepping up in a big moment. One of those other surprises, or at least it felt like a surprise at the time, was that that Arkansas-Auburn game that you were on the call for a few weeks ago. And a few people felt like Auburn played down to Arkansas's level and that you know the, Tigers, the Tiger offense was pretty much bailed out by special teams and defense. Now, looking back on it, there were some obvious cracks in the foundation and the fact that Auburn couldn't really get going against that Arkansas defense. Could you sense that this Auburn team had bigger picture problems even back then? Yeah, and it had I – don't, I don't want to say it had less to do with game day, but just being around that team, being around the program, getting to know Jarrett Stidham a little bit. And if you go back and watch his film, as I did a lot last year from his Baylor days, you can see what he's capable of as a quarterback when they stretch the field and when he's allowed to go deep. So, um, and my partners have said as much. Both Jordan Rogers and Cole right. Kublik have said they're not using him properly. Um, you know, he's not stretching the field, and that's his strength. And then you get into even further into the weeds, and you say that you know maybe Jarrett's not playing his best football right now. He's late on a lot of the intermediate throws. He's late on some of the the short throws too. So that was obvious was going into that game it was even more evident coming out of it but I just I would say this even though Auburn is not where many expect them to be or perhaps where they should be offensively that particular game um, there's no question that Auburn was the better team on the field and and folks sometimes point to special teams and say oh if it wasn't for special teams special teams is very much a part of the game and Auburn <laughs> So much better than Arkansas special teams that day. You couldn't have you couldn't have blamed it on a lucky bounce here or there or a random block in the back. That was where Auburn was demonstrably better than their opponent on that given day, no matter how many shortcomings they had on the offensive side. Tom, we're coming off a, a week full of upsets. Um, this past week, four teams in the top eight go down. Um, you know, not a lot of people really predicted the Auburn thing going into the season. Give me your your biggest prediction or upset pick for the remainder of the season. Oh, man. Um, you know, I just, if you take it week by week, I don't think that anybody's going to call for Alabama to lose on the road in Knoxville, nor should they. And at this point, I don't know if an LSU win over Alabama in a night game in Death Valley is going to be a monster upset. So I don't know what else would resonate within the SEC going forward. And the reason I say that is because outside of Alabama and LSU in their, in their three wins against then top ten teams, 
I think everybody is fairly evenly matched. Uh, for example, I would not be surprised if Kentucky wins at home against Georgia, especially based on the Bulldogs' performance last weekend. I wouldn't be surprised if Florida beats Georgia. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Kentucky went on the road in a couple of weeks and lost at Missouri. It's just there's so much parity outside of Alabama being right. number one and LSU being number two that nothing surprises me in this league. And I think it's a sign of great balance. Um, I think it's a sign of great depth in this league. I mean, Arkansas is winless in the conference. They only have one win overall. They have a really tough road ahead of them in terms of turning that entire program around, and it's going to take time. And they had a three-score lead on Ole Miss. You know, that was a game that if they were just a little bit healthier within that game, they win, and I don't think anybody really bats an eyelash. And Ole Miss, while not being bowl eligible, obviously, is a bowl-type team. So that would have been an upset in some eyes, but I think would have been just par for the course within the league this year. Tom, you brought this up, and I, I saw that you, your, your quote was making the round sort of about Arkansas and why playing at War Memorial Stadium is, is a bad idea and how you know, it jeopardizes their, their home slate, and it, it doesn't really help that football team get better. That, that, I think, is the opinion of, of many Arkansas players and fans who are kind of frustrated with the way that that game turned out and the way that everything you know, sort of unfolded in that one. That's a storyline that do you think is just not getting talked about enough? I mean, is that one of those things that we're kind of overlooking just because this Arkansas team is you know, sitting there with one win? Should we be talking more about why this is such a stupid idea? <laughs> Wait, okay, let's make it clear. You're the one that used the word stupid. Okay, <laughs> I may have written it. This is I true. said it was stupid. Uh, Sorry, Abraham. Just to be, be on the record. I'm not saying I disagree with you. I'm saying I didn't use that vocabulary. Um, I'm going to say this, and I know exactly what I'm saying, but I don't want Arkansas fans to overreact. This is just from a 30,000-foot view. If more people cared about Arkansas football right now from a national scale, it would be talked about a lot more. But because of their record, because of their struggles over the last few years, it's just it's not a topic of conversation that's on the radar anywhere outside of the natural state. Uh, I think it should be. I, Chad Morris will not say this out loud. I'm not, I don't even know for a fact that he believes this because I did not act, ask him directly. Um, but it does not do this program any favors. It is not a neutral site crowd in that there are just as many of the visiting team fans as there are Arkansas fans in War Memorial Stadium. However, it should be pointed out that that road trip for Ole Miss fans is three hours closer than Fayetteville. So if Ole Miss was having a great year, I think it could have been a lot closer to a 50-50 crowd. Um, but it is neutral site in the sense that they cannot host recruits on official visits when they're playing a game in Little Rock. And so every other year, when you play a game in Little Rock, the same year that you're playing a game at Jerry World, and both of those are conference games, you're down to a grand total of two SEC home games. And for a wow. program, as they all are, that is incredibly dependent upon getting recruits to campus and winning on signing day, that puts the entire program as an, at an incredible disadvantage. So I would say that if you're a businessman in Little Rock and you have this big ego boost with the home state team coming into your zip code to play a football game and you think it's great for the program, you're only being selfish. Because while short-term, it may drum up a little bit more support in the middle part of the state, and some folks from the eastern part of the state can get to that game, whereas getting to Fayetteville may be more of a chore. 
in the long run, all it does is hurt your program. And there's a reason why everyone else in the SEC who used to play these games, but it was Tennessee going to Memphis to play Ole Miss, Ole Miss and Mississippi State playing in Jackson, or Alabama playing in Birmingham, or Auburn agreeing to play the Iron Bowl in Birmingham. When they invested in their own infrastructures, it made a lot more sense to play on campus. And when recruiting got to a point where it was the lifeblood of the program, as it is now, even more so than it was in the 90s, more so than it was in the 80s, it is incredibly detrimental to give away a conference home game just to make a portion of your fan base feel good about themselves. Tom, I'm a lifelong SEC fan. Um, I, that needs like a mic drop. That's the most logical thing I've ever heard in my life. I don't like that's incredible. And I didn't even have to say stupid. I didn't have to say it. Yeah, I'm sorry for Connor. He does that. <laughs> um, that so uh, going on from that, just logical, very logical explanation. Um, you know, what are some of the storylines or narratives that we're we're probably talking too much about in the media? Don't say Tua. Don't say Tua. Why can't why can't I say two? No, I'm kidding. It's. I think I made this statement at the very outset of the season, and um, I think two is a great example. By the way, as a precursor to my comment, he's a great example of how the narrative and the media focus can get very singular, and that's not always a bad thing. But I certainly understand people who get frustrated by it. I said at the beginning of the season that I thought that he could be embarking on a Hall of Fame-type career. And this could be a historical season for Alabama as the beginning of, you know, you could point to the championship game, obviously, but, but really the beginning of Tua's career and, and what could be one of the best quarterbacks that we've seen in college football, a generational talent, a Timmy Tebow, a Tommy Frazier, you know, an Archie Manning. You can go back and back and back. Um, and I still believe that, and I think those numbers back me up right now in that he is a singular talent that is must-watch television. That being said, I 100% understand the frustration of other fan bases and other programs who say, what about us? Why can't you talk more about my guy? Uh, why can't we talk more about Jordan Samu? Why can't we talk more about Benny Snell? Why can't we talk more about... Drew Locke, and on and on and on. And I, and I totally get that. But the fact of the matter is that when you have a guy who comes in with a little bit of momentum, as Tua did, and they perform to expectations or even better, it's noteworthy, it's notable, and it's the casual fan that eats it up with a spoon just as much as the diehards. And when you're in a state of selling the sport, and, and I don't mean that in terms of, getting as many viewers to my games as possible because we want people to stay at Holiday and Express. I just mean being a proponent and a supporter of the sport that we all love, whether it's college football or MLB or NFL or NHL, whatever it is, you have to not only appeal to the diehards, but you also have to appeal to that casual fan, get them to flip over and experience what college football is and teach them about what makes Kyle Field special and educate them on why this is such a unique season season for Kentucky. And you can't do that without having stars and without having ways to appeal to, to appeal that fan that generally on a Saturday afternoon has the game on, but isn't really watching. Uh, we need them to embrace it. We need them to um, in, be engaged and we need to get them to stadiums. So this sport can continue to grow. We all take it for granted. I live in Atlanta. 
you guys are in the South, and it's easy to get stuck in this bubble that is in within the SEC footprint. But outside of the SEC and outside of some other hot spots, like, for example, Columbus, Ohio, um, the game can still grow, and the popularity of the sport can still grow. And I think we owe it as stewards of the game to the game itself to continue to try and grow it. Tom, I realized while you were saying that, that you did have the pleasure of shooting a Holiday Inn commercial with a whole bunch of SEC people, most notably Paul Feinbaum. That experience uh, in one word was what? Um, I'm buying time here. Um, (laughs) Dangerous. Ooh, I like that. That's good. Not for my health, but for Paul's. We had to shoot. We, we had about seventy different takes of me fist bumping Paul while I poured syrup on a stack of pancakes. <laughs> and <laughs> I was so concerned for Paul's fist health that I those have turned into some of the most gentle fist bumps you've ever seen. They're more like fist butterfly kisses by the time. We- <laughs> It was dangerous. Paul is the most valuable employee at the SEC Network, maybe in all of ESPN college football. I could not be the one that puts him in a cast. So it was dangerous. I, I, I love Paul. We are, we're, we're big fans. Marler does have a restraining order uh, against him right now. Uh, no, it's the opposite. Pending. Uh, he's got a restraining order against you. Whatever, whatever it is, uh, we, we, do, we do love Paul. Paul... If you don't have a restraining order, you just don't care enough. Yeah, thank you. That's what I've been that's saying. That's that's a good point. We Paul loves his preseason takes. We love our preseason takes. We love um, you know kind of calling them out. And usually, I just call out, end up calling out my bad ones, or Marler will call out my bad ones for me. Uh, you know, I had Mississippi State winning ten games in the preseason. We pronounced that dead after the Florida loss. So, uh, give us your worst preseason take that looks really really bad right now. Here's the beauty of what I do. I stay. Oh, no. Don't try and wiggle out of this. You have a bad <laughs> preseason take. I know it. I have nothing to wiggle out of. I stay away from those as often as possible. Like, I don't have to be a hot take guy. The only time I get cornered is, like, SEC Media Day when I end up doing everybody who has a pulse and a microphone that asks, I will sit down and do their interviews on Media Day. In fact, I'm pretty sure I did – three with a group of homeless guys who were holding a candle. It wasn't even a microphone. <laughs> How they got credentialed is a whole other story. Um, so I really don't go out on too many limbs. I thought LSU was going to be great this year. Um, I'm Knock on wood, I'm right so far. I might have been picking with my heart more than my head. I thought Missouri could finish second in the East, and they've got a ways to go, obviously, because they're winless in the, in the conference. Um, I thought Tennessee would be by far the worst team in the conference, uh, so I was wrong on that one, especially with the win this weekend. Um, I found that bottom line is the easiest way not to get called out is just to kind of blend in and don't say anything too outrageous. It's something that my partner Cole Kublik personally disagrees with me about, and I thank him for bringing us that entertainment every year because NC State did not make the playoff and Mississippi State did not beat Alabama, and those are just from last year. 
Okay, so let's let's piggyback off of what you said about Mizzou picking with your head and not your heart. Marler agreed with you, by the way. I, yeah. I got this is my turn to throw Marler under the bus. He had Mizzou as his second place team in the division, which you know looks looks like it's not going to happen because they're sitting there at zero and three. Let's full disclaimer here: you are a Mizzou grad. At least that's what your Wikipedia page told me. Um, your assessment I, 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 of no, True Lock. Know that your research knows no bounds. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I, I I go to the ends of the earth to find this stuff out. Um, your your assessment of, of Drew Locke for the rest of of 2018 it has been what, and do you think that he's going to be this first round pick that we were billing him up to be in the preseason? Yes, I do think he's still going to be a first round pick. Um, I'm not a draft guru or a draft expert, but you know they're still saying that he would be the number one overall pick, and and I'm not ready to disagree with that either um this thing i i i knew his numbers would go down i expected his numbers to go down based on the offense that they were going to run this year and just for no other reason without it getting too analytical just he would have going to have fewer opportunities because they were going to run fewer plays i think that the nfl is still behind the times when it comes to watching game tape on a lot of guys when it comes to draft day. I mean, they are over-reliant on what happens at the combine. And we see that play out year after year where a guy who's had a great year in college football, great career slips, and all of us that follow the college games say, what are they thinking? How come nobody's taking player X? And that player turns out to be a fantastically efficient player at the next level. Um, So all that to be said, I don't think that individual struggles over a three-game stretch like he had without throwing a touchdown, I don't think they're going to hurt him or his promise in the eyes of NFL guys because he's still going to blow them away at the combine. He's still going to look really good, and he has a chance to continue to be or you know, get back on the horse and be more efficient in the second half of the season. So piggybacking off that as well, <laughs> Wikipedia research, um, I was actually in Tuscaloosa this weekend with a couple of Mizzou friends, uh, and they brought some interesting points about, about Barry Odom. You know, I think he's probably on the hottest seat, I would say, in the SEC. And, you know, talking with them, they had some different ideas on it that aren't just football-related. Do you think Barry Odom is is most limited by the facilities at Mizzou, the, the campus climate they're kind of still getting over, or himself? Wow. Um, that's a fantastic question. I would say the limitations directly over the last few years have been his decision-making and trust in coaching staff members. Um, The hiring of Samani Cross as his defensive coordinator a couple of years ago uh, got him behind schedule right off the bat. And it took him a while to, because he played with Samani, they were friends. It took him a while to burn, you know, to burn that out and to make, pull the trigger and to, to take over play calling duties on the defensive side of the ball. I think number one, it's, it's recruiting. And you look at the numbers that Missouri gave up defensively over the last couple of years. A lot of that was tied into the tempo that they ran on offense. And Barry Odom knows as a defensive guy that that wasn't sustainable, but he thought that that gave them the best chance to put points on the board offensively, even as a detriment to their defense. And all that goes back to having talent on the field, having an offensive line that can hold for more than 1.8 seconds, 
so you don't have to get rid of the ball that quickly. Having more depth defensively, their secondary was was very weak last year. Some of the linebackers were as well. Um, and so I think that's the biggest thing. So that probably ties into facilities more than anything else. They made a major push into St. Louis, which has been a fertile recruiting ground for a lot of a lot of great schools, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Alabama's gone into St. Louis, Auburn's yeah. gone into St. Louis. Um, and they've got to be able to, to hold recruits within their own state because it gets harder and harder when you get out of state and start competing against those same schools recruiting in Florida, um, throughout the South, Atlanta, and Texas, which was a, a fantastic pipeline for Missouri in the tail end of their Big 12 days. So probably 90% of the starters – on, that, on those great teams came from the state of Texas. So if they could find a way, if that still made sense to get into Texas, I think they'd still be there and we'd probably be seeing something different on the field. Tom, you joined SEC Network in 2014. That's what my Wikipedia research confirmed. That's what I had originally thought, but I had to look that up on the Wikipedia well, page just fact, to make sure. Fact, I, I tried to join earlier, but it had yet to launch. So that was about as early as I could. <laughs> Gotcha. That's that's a, a fair point. You've had plenty of calls. We already talked about the, the Buffalo Wild Wings button that you've got up there. Uh, do you have a, a favorite call from a game during that time? You know, an individual call, not necessarily, but um, I've been lucky within this conference. You get great games all the time, and the years kind of all uh, blend together, but must have been Josh Dobbs' junior year when he went on the road in South Carolina and led a three-touchdown comeback oh, yeah. in the fourth quarter. Yeah, our, our ESPN stats and info folks said that at the time, Tennessee, after South Carolina's last score, had a 0.1% chance to win that game. Wow. And we started putting buttons on it and wrapping up, and what's next for South Carolina, what's next for Tennessee. The next thing you know, Dobbs hits one here, hits one there, and they start to put a couple together, and it turned in. It turned into a thriller, and and I think maybe part of that was covering. And I don't use this term because I I do think it's hokey, and I do think it's just marketing and made up. But I will use it with him. Covering a student athlete like Josh Dobbs um, helped how enthusiastic we were and how enjoyable that game was because he's such a great guy to spend time with, and you know that it's more than just football with him in the long run. So watching a guy like that who's so well-grounded have success is immensely enjoyable. So speaking to that, what player or personality, or so basically just Brett Bielema, uh, do you miss most? Um, or who, who's been your favorite since uh, since you started? Uh, who's been, you know what a better question is, who do I hate the most? I got a long That's what I meant, yeah. Starting with the two hosts of this podcast. Let me tell you. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, That's fair. I've got I've got incredible recency bias. I just I really enjoy what I do, and I, I'm lucky to enjoy the people I spend time with. And I was just in Lexington um, last week. I think it was. It would have been a week and a half now. Covering Kentucky's pro day, and I just I really thoroughly enjoy spending time with John Calipari to see how he goes about his job, and to watch him, if you get a chance to watch him away from the game, his interactions with such a wide variety of people, I think is a, a, there's a great lesson in there for salespeople, for recruiters, for leaders, no matter who it is, 
because he can recruit he can recruit everybody and he can be just as comfortable in the barber shop in the inner city as he is with the ADs and presidents as he is with the fans of rural Kentucky and and there's there aren't a whole lot of people that have that kind of crossover ability um so I enjoy spending time and he's also he knows how to win and I enjoy watching people who know how to win and spending time with those kind of guys. I, Nick Saban is the same way. He's, he's obviously not as personable. He's not as much of a salesperson around the media as I'm sure he is on recruiting trips. But when you're in a meeting with Nick Saban on a Friday afternoon and you start talking ball to the point that he grabs a marker and he stands at the grease board, that is, that is a football education that only the elite are supposed to be allowed in. You know, that's essentially – our own personal coaching clinic. So I, I never take those kind of experiences for granted. So Tommy you said you, you live in Atlanta. I do as well. Um, so we're obviously new friends. Um, what is, uh, what's your favorite thing to do in the city? <laughs> in the city of Atlanta? Um, come home from the airport. I mean, yeah. here. I'm not really here as often as I'd like to be. So my favorite thing is to land. Right. <laughs> That's fair. It's an incredible city. I have, I have great friends here. The restaurants are insane. Um, you know, you can blow off steam any, any way you want. And, you know, a lot of times for me, that might be just going around the corner to top golf and hitting what used to be called a bucket of balls. Right. You don't get that. As much as they're expanding – um, you don't really get that everywhere. So I, that's what I love about this city. Is there's, there's something for everybody. Tom, we've we've got to discuss the elephant in the room. This is something I, I told you we were going to have a surprise for you. Um, and I'm sure your mind is racing a million miles a minute. Your broadcast partner is our frenemy, Jordan Rogers. Um, so here's, here's the backstory with it. We may or may not have gotten into a Twitter fight that was started by him claiming that Kyle Shermer was better than Jake Fromm and that Fromm would not be drafted. Now, Marler and I both called him out for his horrendous take. We can admit it's horrendous. And then he tweeted back at us, let me know if you need me to throw you a bone and come on your podcast to help you actually get some listeners, dot, dot, dot. Actually, never mind. I'm busy. Good luck. Th- uh, thumb emoji, thumbs up emoji. So we then might have had our that listeners flag his mentions. <laughs> I, it was savage on his part, right? I mean, very savage. We did nothing wrong. Uh, we did not poke the beast. Okay, so question here is, are you willing to take on the role of Peacemaker to help us put our only internet beef to bed? He hates you guys. He, he will not stop talking about you guys. I know. See him every Thursday afternoon till our departing flights on Sunday. All he can do is talk about how he how obsessed he is with how terrible you guys are. And I yeah. usually disagree with him. In fact, if I would have known this was the podcast I'd agree to come on, I would have cut it short like <laughs> nineteen and a half minutes ago. I can't. Yep. <laughs> I can't I can't go there. Here's my only advice. Like, the saying used to be uh, something like, don't start a quarrel with the man who owns a barrel of ink or whatever that was, right? Like, right. you can never win 
when you fight somebody online has over a million followers. Like, it doesn't matter right, wrong, or indifferent. Like, once they hit that mark, it's, you're done for. You just, you don't, don't even, don't poke that bear ever. Just beg and beg for forgiveness. <laughs> okay, that's... I, I mean, I, I don't want to just, you know, be, be cowardly because, you know, it was him who kind of, he kind of big-timed us. I'm just, I'm just saying he, he threw it out there. But we, we want to mend fences. He, that's true. That's very true. Um, so when, he was, when Jordan was talking about us constantly from the moment that you saw him on Thursday, he probably had a moment during the game where he had to stop and tweet at Marler uh, about, Marler, what was it even about again? I, it was something about the... I made a joke about the Sherman because it was when you guys were at uh, Athens for the um, the Vandy Georgia game, and it, but it was like thirty eight to six or something like that at the time, and he he just casually um, responded, and I was like, "What is going on right now?" So, wait, he responded to you via okay. Twitter in the middle of our game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This this. Came I don't want you to tell him that. I can't have two restraining orders against me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Tom. So you tweeted you tweeted a picture the other day. Go ahead. Sorry. Like we're we're both. I'm not as active as he is on social media, obviously, but we do generally like to interact with people. Um, he he takes it personally. He really does when people call him out on quarterbacks because that's all he does is study tape right. quarterbacks. And I think to it all the time with him about Joe Burrow and. I'm like, you can't argue with his results. And he's like, yeah, I can. I've watched the tape, and I've got, you know, the grades to prove it. So I just I, I kind of give him a hard time about that. But we were doing a Kentucky game a couple weeks ago, and I brought up one of the Kentucky wide receivers that really had no other options to play major college football. And it was David Bouvier is his name, and he was going to go to Center College if he wouldn't have gone to Kentucky. And just being the perfect foil, as soon as I said Center College, Jordan said, I've never heard of that place. And lo and behold, Center <laughs> College in Danville, Kentucky, which has an enrollment of, I'm guessing, like 2,500, which therefore has a limited alumni base, apparently they're all on Twitter and they all watch everything. <laughs> because next thing you know, we are bombarded with responses to our idiocy of how we didn't know about Center College, especially with our great upset of Harvard back in 1924. Right. Guys, I hate to break it to you. I wasn't here in 1924. They crushed a virus. I learned that from your Wikipedia page. Right. I I will say that I did did dig it up and give a shout-out to my favorite Center College alum, a guy by the name of Pappy Van Winkle, who to this day, God rest his soul, makes the best bourbon in the history of the world. So turn that up. <laughs> All right. Let, um, Jordan, real quick on Jordan Rogers. You tweeted the other day that you guys, you know, you try and you have a good back and forth on, on your broadcast. In all seriousness, you guys do have a, a great rapport. And you tweeted a screenshot of, you know, a broadcast and how you guys actually like each other. Convince us why we should also like Jordan. Oh. Wow. Um, you had to think about it. Well, there's so many likable qualities about him. Um, I would say the, the best, his best quality is he makes Cole Kublik likable. And <laughs> necessarily a likable character. 
So he has softened up Cole's rough edges and made him a more likable guy. In all honesty, what I love about working with both of them, and I, I tweeted this out the other day, um, and it just it came to fruition because we're up late night doing our post-game podcast on SEC The Weekend where we just go through all the SEC games. It's not really a podcast per se. It's more of a uh, whatever social media show uh, from the SEC Network handle. Um, and so we get to bed fairly late, especially if we're going to stay up and watch highlights, and we're on a 6 a.m. flight, which means we're at the airport at 5 a.m., and Cole decides it'd be a great idea to swap seats with somebody else because back in row 28, in my seat 28E, that I wanted a former SEC center in the middle seat, which was a terrible idea. <laughs> right. um, and he said, oh, I mean, I'll swap seats. We can sit next to each other. We can talk. I'm like, Cole, it's 6 a.m. I don't want to talk to anybody right now. Anyone. As soon as we get airborne, he whips out the iPad, and I'm just trying to keep my eyelids open. And he goes immediately to studying tape. And, and what it reminded me of that I was so thankful, and we went through the entire Auburn game on one flight because he's got the coaches film to do it. And I'm so thankful to work with guys that work their tail off. And some of them, like Jordan, you know, who's, who's got an incredible social media following and has a Q rating out of this world, they don't need to work hard. There's a lot of people with pretty faces who just go on television and give you sound bites and bow out and collect a check. He's not that guy. He works his ass off, so does Cole. There's uh, a lot of homework that takes place with those guys even before we show up on site. And then there's the respect when we get there that coaches and players know that they played in this league. They, they know what it's like. They know the game isn't easy. So um, that's, that's what I like most about both of those guys. And I don't want to call anybody in this business out. Sometimes it's easy to see. Sometimes it isn't. But there are enough people in this industry who don't put in the work, um, who aren't committed to the craft, who think just showing up is enough. That are, and, and I've been in this business for a while that makes me truly appreciative of work with guys who put the work in. That's a, that, those are all perfectly fair points, and we will definitely look at Jordan, our frenemy, with a, a different light. We, we want to get you out on, uh, we've got, we do Family Feud, we do it with every guest. We've, it's not really Family Feud, so don't worry. Uh, it's 10 rapid-fire questions that Marler is going to throw at you, basically like you're in a batting cage. So are you good to go for that? Um, yeah, hold on a little Get some pine tar. <laughs> I yeah, I, pine, tar. pine tar would probably be good. Luckily, I've got I've All right. a stick right here in the kitchen counter, so I'm ready. <laughs> so, and you know, it doesn't have to be 10. Like, you've been one of the more personal and, and really funny um, football sides saying you hated us, but I mean, really funny, funny interviews. So, it might be 10, might be 12. We'll, we'll see how it goes. But three Bloody Marys into this thing. So, once <laughs> we get to four, it's a very slippery slope. Yeah, I like that. Um, so rapid fire questions, <laughs> like you don't have to put down the Bloody Mary at all. Are you ready? I'm ready. Is that the first question? No. Nope. First question, favorite season of The Bachelor? <laughs> Never watched it. Good answer. Second question, better hair, Ooh. Laura Rutledge or Jordan or Cole? Jordan. Uh, third question, biggest threat to the SEC? Biggest what? Threat. Biggest threat to the SEC? This season. Nuclear war? Nothing stopped. That's, that's the answer. That's, 
<laughs> yes, that it's, is it's, the answer. I have, That's I have North Korea written down. Very good. I love this interview. Uh, describe Coach O in one word. Uh, underrated. Favorite character from The Office? White. Best Atlanta brewery? Um, I, I know it's only supposed to be one word, and I'm, I'm partial to some other ones, but I'll, I'll go other ones outside the city, but let's just do Sweetwater because that's, that's the easiest. That's fair. Uh, best game day food? Game day food? Yeah, like tailgate. To me, there's a difference in tailgating and watching, like on the couch. So I'll give you two different answers. On the couch, it's nachos. Tailgating is anything in a bun. You've got to be able to, like that. to hold it. We, we can't use utensils. Uh, best game day drink or booze of choice? The most important game day drink is water. Very, that's a very good answer. Amen. <laughs> um, all right, better song uh, for Tom Hart. My Heart Will Go On or Total Eclipse of the Heart? I Wear My Sunglasses at Night by my distant cousin, Corey Hart. Boom. All right, two more questions. Better fans, Cardinals fans or SEC fans? <laughs> Cardinals fans. They're the best in baseball. Did anybody tell you that? Yeah, my, be- like my oh, best friends are there. Uh, Tom, he's Tom, a- Tom. Sorry for Cotter. Last question, most importantly. Better comeback, Dixieland Delight or Neck? Neck. Keep it raw and real. You're, you're, yeah, that's like, that's like, like 10 out of 12 right. That was incredible. Did we have uh, 69 points for, for time? No, that's like Is a that thousand. That's like a thousand. You answered, you're the only person to answer North Korea and nuclear war correctly. It's, I mean, yeah, like we're, we're basically, we're, we're best friends now. We're going to Top Golf. We're going to Top Golf. We're going to have a Sweetwater 420, and we're just, we're going to be besties forever. Deal. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, are you going to be uh, in Lexington for Vandy, Kentucky this weekend? I will be. Yes, Vandy, Kentucky, 7.30, awesome. and after the game, as soon as we can weave our way through traffic, we're going to do our, our lobby show to break down the day. Um, that's, well, that's what I found where I can really get Jordan and Cole to share their opinions. Um, it's almost like nobody's watching, which is good for them because they think there are no repercussions. And um, so we'll do that on the SEC Network Twitter handle and on SEC The Weekend Twitter handle and Facebook, too, every Saturday night, late night. Very nice. Uh, let us know uh, if you want us to to throw you a bone and come on anytime. Uh, if we're in the same place, something like that. Just, just, just <laughs> let us know. Jordan's been asking. Jordan's been asking about you guys, and we really, we really hope. I, n- I know he has. <laughs> we will, we'll, we'll set it up. We will set it up very soon. Tom, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, if you're not, make sure you're following Tom on Twitter. Tom, is your handle at Tom Hart, or is there an underscore in there or something? There's an underscore, Tom underscore Hart. And if I find out the guy who has the one without the underscore, I'm going to take him down in the alley and steal from him. This is incredible. Nice. Definitely do that. <laughs> Definitely do that. Tom, we, we appreciate you coming on, and, uh, yeah, we'll do this again soon. Guys, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. That was fun. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate you. Good time. 
Fun fact, I've had a pound and a half of shrimp in the past 24 hours. Oh, we are back. Anyway, Connor, great segment. Great segment. How much cocktail sauce have you had? None. Just powered through, man. I love shrimp. Eat so much shrimp, I got iodine poison. 3-6 Mafia. You should get that checked out. Low-key, I've, I've, uh, I've quoted Kevin Gates and 3-6 Mafia. You've not picked up on it once. But, to be fair, you also haven't thought it was DMX. So that's a positive you know, step in the right you know, direction. You know, all right. Let's, come on. Let's, <laughs> let's not get caught up in that. I was close enough. You know, have you watched Hocus Pocus yet this year? No, I haven't. I'm not a Hocus Pocus guy. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. You know what? That being said... We're going to get into fourth and wrong. It's my favorite segments. We ask you guys for non-football-related questions and or advice you want asked or answered. And then, um, <laughs> you guys, here's a good example. We're not going to get into this one, but uh, if animals could talk, which would be the biggest a-hole? It's, that's a great question. Something to think about. Just something to think about. These are deep questions. Thank you for our it's like a TED Talks. Anyway, we got a couple we're going to do from our Instagram account. Connor, are you ready? I was not born ready, but I got ready about 30 seconds ago. There you go. Um, first question. How do you feel about people who clap when their plane lands? That comes from Amy42482 on Instagram. Hate it. Yeah. Act like you've been there before. The plane's <laughs> going to land. You should be clapping out of hysteria if it doesn't land. Yeah. Well, you um, dead, but... I mean, I understand people get nervous on planes. Do what you got to do. Take your Ambien. Uh, take your, you know, your oh. triple vodka whatever you got to do whoa i'm just saying i'm not saying i'm hanging out with on planes i'm not saying i'm that person but people obviously get nervous on planes people freak out act like you've been there before it is the pilot's job you don't clap when somebody gets your order right at a restaurant you You guys clap when we're done with this podcast i mean they should maybe a polite nod is the better way to do it like a little exhale clapping is trying to attract attention don't do it here's my least favorite thing about planes is the the a-hole idiot that stands up as soon as a plane lands oh like we're not about the taxi to the gate why, why do they say taxi either just say drive to the gate i know we're in a plane we're definitely not a taxi come on now huh, that's stupid anyway i hate when people do that i hate when people clap um i think the honestly the thing i like most about planes is when people take ambient and pass out with all the vodka you just mentioned that's sounds yeah like, i have no problem with it it's like great typical tuesday night for me am i right no that's <laughs> That's not true, guys. Anyway, yeah, that's my least favorite thing. Um, I hate that a lot. And uh, and people that wear tank tops at the airport. That's a that's a garbage person. Just have some courtesy for the people that you're you're traveling with. That's only for men, not women. Yeah, I go and to, the only I, time you should ever clap is if you're riding Spirit, because there is a question if you're ever going to actually. Make that's a good point. That's a good point. And I'll say I, I I you know commute out of the Orlando airport and great airport. It's fantastic. I mean, stairway to heaven, Chili's. Like yeah. I said. Um, yeah, if, if you're even if you're wearing a tank top at the Orlando airport, unacceptable. Get some sleeves. Okay, get some sleeves. Next question. Um, <laughs> here we go. All right, this is from B Denny Designs. Which was worse, pre-anger management Andy or post-boat trip Andy? Oh, that's a great question. I know, right? I'm gonna say pre-anger management Andy. It's Drew now. Um, I'm not gonna call you that was the worst the absolute worst the episode where he just pesters michael nonstop, and he's like what are you doing this weekend and michael's like oh my gosh i just need this guy to get out of my freaking space and michael who at that point wasn't that endearing yet but you're like yeah. this guy is getting on michael's nerves that's how bad right. he is Ooh. that it's andy like that, uh... was the worst version because the post boat andy while i'll agree that andy's character as you've heard me rant about this 
Andy's character was all over the place, but the post-boat Andy was at least a little bit more definitive, and he wasn't quite as wishy-washy, and he would say things like, your nickname's Plop because you're always taking dumps. Right. I like that Andy slightly better, though he still was not my favorite character. That was my, that, so I disagree completely, because it was funnier to watch, and I know he had like the whole thing, he's like, who's that guy, the, the NBA basketball announcer that, that bit that woman? Yeah, he's like that big creep, Marv Alberts. <laughs> but post post like trip Andy where he like the Coolio thing and he had like the gross ass beard, excuse my language, like it was not no, that was not my favorite Andy. That was the worst. Here's one that we can't answer. What's the weirdest thing you've seen on Halloween? Gonna skip right over that, because I don't think I don't think y'all are ready, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Ooh, we will have, uh, by the way, coming up uh, in a couple weeks here. When's Halloween? Halloween's two weeks away. 31st, yeah. so if you carry the two. We are, we are definitely going to be doing SEC coaches' Halloween costumes, for sure. Okay, I've been trying to figure that out. On, on I already made one on Photoshop. but it's, We will do 14. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Um, <laughs> how hot does a girl, on a scale of 1 to 10, how hot does a girl have to be with, how hot does a, I can't even read the questions out. How hot does a girl have to be with two first names for you to actually date her? Ooh. 11? I was going to say higher. I was going to say 12, 13. Because yeah. um, it's like adorable at some point, but if I have to be like, Mary Beth, I didn't do that. I swear to God. Like, then I can't do that every time. Now, we t- we're talking first and last names are both like first names, not first and a middle name. Or, no, we're talking first and middle, middle name. Oh, first and middle name. What are you okay. talking about? Yeah. Right, well, Mary Beth, Sarah yeah. Beth. That's what I assumed it was. Lindsay it was, Beth, it was Mary Kate, Ashley Olsen. Yeah, 12, 13 minimum. Okay. Worst Halloween candy. This one's simple. I swear to I swear to you, if we are not on the same page with this. It's candy corn. Thank you. We did it. <laughs> it's definitely candy corn. Air high five. Air high five. Okay, let's get let's get two more in here. Um let's see here. Ooh, we can't answer that one. Uh, about how do magnets work. I don't think either one of us are smart enough for that. Oh. Yeah. Are you able to do that? Okay, here you go. Here's one. What's the best city for a bachelor party? Man, you can go a lot of different directions. I've, I've heard many answers. It, it depends on preference, but all right. So I had mine in, in Orlando, and it was a blast. It was a really good time. But I will not say that Orlando is the best place for a bachelor party. I would hope not. place that I've heard recently that I kind of wish I could go back and do. Shreveport. Not Shreveport, but not even close. Nashville. Oh, my God. Nashville, Nashville would be a good time. Nashville, or I feel like Nashville or New Orleans would be the two, would be two of the best. All right. First off, I don't know if I'm allowed back in New Orleans. Um, it's too close to Shreveport. Second off, I, Nashville. If you, like, if you, you know, who's gonna be in Nashville for a bachelor bachelorette party? Every every girl ever with two first names. Oh, that's a good point. The answer's Vegas. It's not even close. Uh, they, it's definitely not Atlantic City. I'll you don't think you don't think pe- every bachelor and bachelorette party is already in Vegas though? Yeah, but it's still awesome. You go to Planet Hollywood, get you a burger. No, a guy right, anyway, you. moving on, moving on. Um, this is a, this is a good one. I really like this one. Uh, if I can find it. Ooh, hold on, hold on. Fill fill the void. Say stuff. So my take on Andy. No, I'm kidding. I won't go into that too much more. Okay. Oh my God, there's something about a mitochondria. Can't answer that one. It, it was a really good question. It was basically, I, I'll paraphrase it. It was, it was great. What is the best drink to have during an off week? Depends who you're drink. a fan base of, or who you're a fan of. But she's now, a Florida fan. She's a Florida Cocktail fan. Cocktail okay. to drink on a bye week, and what to do to occupy your Saturday during a bye week. I would say, 
if you're a Florida fan, you're not trying to drink your sorrows away. So you're not necessarily... Yeah, one loss. I know. I, that's what I'm saying. You're not trying yeah. to drink your sorrows away. You're in good shape. You're feeling good about yourself. You get a nice, get a nice Saturday buzz going. Yeah. You know, nothing, nothing too hard, but you know, a little, little mixed cocktail, maybe nothing too soft. I mean, I'm weird. a big mojito guy. I can go for a mojito. Oh my god! <laughs> I can go for a mojito all day. I just, I just can't with you sometimes. I, I can, just, I can go rum and coke too. I, yeah, I mean, I mean, you never bartended, have you? I mean. Do I look like a guy who's bartender? That's why you're a mojito guy, because the like there's a word for people that come in and order mojitos at, at a bar. I'm not gonna tell you what it is because I can't say it on air, but it's not good. You gotta muddle all that lime and mint. It's terrible. It's just, that's that's honestly the number one thing I, I pray and thank God for every day that I don't have to do that job anymore and I have this job. It isn't how much I love SC football. It's not having to get arthritis from muddling all that mint. Sorry for making you earn your paycheck. <laughs> I knew My that bad. was coming. Um, I would say this. I would say. You're not trying to, like, you know, first off, it's fall. So fireball, maybe a little angry orchard as well, a little cider and some fireball together. It's called angry balls, I think. It's really good, though. Ooh, um, I haven't heard that. A little, and like, heat it up a little bit. That's a great That's a great cocktail to have. Bourbon on the rocks, maybe a little splash of water, like right on a fire pit. That's always great. Or a little vodka Gatorade. Get yourself going. Get rejuvenated a little bit for the second half of the season. Just get don't some, order a mojito. Get one of those early, you know, you get the early drink going, a little Bailey's, kind of wake you up. We we live different lives. I'm just saying stuff now. Responsible thing to say. I'm just saying stuff now, just just to kind of get under your your bartender's skin. Mojito man is it's working. <laughs> it's my all time least favorite. Like you like you'll you, you ask Allie, my fiance. She she would like we'll go out and like as soon as she hears it, I'm like oh god, what did they just say? She's like I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Just like don't go to that place. Anyway, that was a great fourth and wrong. Thank you for everyone that submitted. Connor, take it away. Let's finish with it. Might mean too much. You're going to appreciate this. I know you will. We have a couple of brojitos. <sighs> maybe. Uh, maybe we'll save that for after. Um, Alabama fans, being Alabama fans, we assume these were Alabama fans. They strapped Crimson Tide flags onto the Cam Newton statue at Jordan Hare. Uh, Jared Dillard was the one who tweeted this photo. If you're Bama, it's not Iron Bowl week yet. You've still got a ways to go. It's not even Iron Bowl month yet. Auburn's sitting there with three losses. Obviously, Bama is looking like better better than ever. Kick a man while he's down. I yeah. mean, really? Still? Connor, still? they had to postpone that, that, that rivalry for 50 years because of all the, the fights and stabbings and, and beatings that took place after it. This is nothing. They put a car flag on a Cam Newton statue. You know what? Take that statue down. It probably costs about $180,000. Build you another one. Get out of it. It's kind of sad, though. Kind of sad. Just saying. Okay. Um, Here's a question for you on the Gus Malzahn uh, school of thought. Will Nick Saban lose three games for the rest of the time that Gus Malzahn is at Auburn? Three games total. Yes. Okay, so you think Gus Malzahn is going to be at Auburn for another, like, three years then? Yeah. I don't think they fire him. He'll he'll, he'll write the ship, right? So um, 24-7 Sports' Brandon Marcello. Uh, went on Paul Feinbaum's show, and he said he's not ruling out the buyout, which would be upwards of $38 million. He said, uh, what I've been told, there's not much concern when it comes to money. That's a good it might mean too much, by the way, as well. Um, by the way, this was actually after Marcelo made fun of Michael Bratton for having an SDS column in January, suggesting that Gus Malzahn could potentially have yeah. the hottest seat of any coach in the SEC. And turns out seven games into that seven-year, $49 million contract, guess who has the hottest seat in the SEC? Without a doubt. So Isn't I, this the same guy that made fun of you for the comment about Mississippi State being better than Auburn? 
Yeah, and then, of course, Mississippi State beat Auburn. But I didn't want to stoop to that level because it's not my Brandon. job to... I hope you're listening. <laughs> Brandon Marcello does tremendous work, but I just thought that that was kind of a lame thing. Like, he basically... You know, decided to go public and make fun of someone, and then it's like, okay, what's what's the? And then he didn't even really own up to it, except for yeah. you know, Michael tweeted that after and was like, hey, you know, you pretty much mocked me. Where's your apology tweet? And then yeah, of course, we'll give you a chance to apologize publicly if you weren't busy eating all that crow. <laughs> Ooh, that was good. Boom, there really it is. good. We've got one five star review to get to today. Please send five star reviews in if you have not yet, or if your friend or mother or father has not sent in a five star review, tell them to do so. Maybe your sister, your dog, whoever. Um, this is from Pooh, like Winnie the Pooh. Get your mind out of the gutter, Christopher. Uh, Pooh Swim 2. Oh, really? God, that's, you, that's the one that got to me. I'm going to try and be an adult. Um, this subject line, SEC football at its finest. As someone who grew up loving the Tigers, the purple and gold, real Tiger, ooh, shade at Auburn, um, in the Northeast where people don't even know what real college football is, this podcast is everything I love about college football. It's informative while bringing that SEC charm. Keeps me entertained uh, during every podcast. Can't wait until the next episode drops. Thank you, Pooh Swim. Two. Uh, I, <laughs> it's Winnie the Pooh, not, you know. Uh, yeah, either way, I got a pee, so. That's, that's the perfect segue. Uh, make sure you're watching Facebook Live every Monday night, Saturday morning. 10 a.m. 10 a.m. New time. No, it's always been at 10 a.m. Oh, you, you, have a new, you, have you have a new time. You have a new time on Monday, though. Yeah, right? 8:30. We had that was a great show. We had 20,000 people watching. Dang, sick brag. Yeah. Um, follow us on Instagram at Saturday Down South. Follow us on Twitter at the SDS Pod at C Marler SDS at CJ O'Gara. Thank you to Tom Hart. Thank you to our good friend Luke Del Rio yeah. for coming on. That was a lot of fun getting to chop it up with them. Maybe we'll maybe we will have a face to face with Jordan Rogers sometime soon. Maybe so. Hey, and also guys, thanks to y'all because yes. I know that we've been doing this for the entire year and season's halfway over. And I'm already dreading the end of the season, but you guys have been great, man. And it's 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 been it's been a lot of fun being able to interact with you guys on Twitter. And it feels like we have like a like we've got new friends, man. And I don't get a lot of those because you know how I, I act and my personalities. But anyway, thanks a lot, y'all. Thanks a lot. We do appreciate that. So. Enjoy week eight, and remember, the one most important thing, Cocho, is what? Am I me too, and we don't lose no bulldog. <laughs> Enjoy week eight.